0: Welcome to For The Record, our bi-weekly program in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30am on BFF.fm. Maybe you're doing that right now. Or you can subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the second album from Fontaine's DC called A Hero's Death, and it starts out with a song called I Don't Belong.
1: You should've heard me in the lounger Telling people what they was Spitting out all touch of sugar Just start
0: We are a five piece from Dublin the DC stands for Dublin City and like many bands who have had to add some letters to the end of their names, I always think of the Charlatans UK there was another band called the Fontaines which is why that's tacked on there but being Irish is a very important part of their identity and they have a lot of Irish themes and themes about growing up in Dublin in their first record and have carried over to this record as well
2: yeah so this their sophomore record it's coming Just over a year after their first album, which I feel like is a very old-fashioned way to operate, like striking while the iron is very very hot. These guys had so much buzz last year when that first album came out, and I remember it's always that sign uh, that I caught about three, two or three songs of theirs at a day party in Austin at South by Southwest, where there were the room was way too tiny because clearly they'd booked, they'd been booked into this venue. And then the buzz blew up and that room, you could not move. They were so loud, so high energy, and then blew out apparently a couple of different amps and just called the show. So that's why I only saw two songs.
0: And I didn't see any of it because you went in and it was so packed with tall white guys, which says a lot about this music. And I was like, I don't I don't even it's not worth it to me. I'm like, yeah. I'll just wait outside. Yeah,
2: I, I heard them play a couple of songs. I did not see them play a couple of songs. Yeah. But so they're they've yeah.
0: they've got a lot of buzz going. They went to LA to record this record and they're clearly trying to keep the momentum going of the the buzz of their first record.
2: Yeah, but the contrast is pretty significant here that the first track off that first album was that first single big that is short and fast and so energetic. And this song is so languid and really takes its time. It does not mind just luxuriating in the talent of these musicians because you do hear the interplay of the two guitars and bassists and all of these lovely soundscapes that they're able to conjure even though uh, it seems weird to say lovely about a song that's so downbeat and depressing. <laughs> and that's kind of, a, a th- I think, going to be a through line on this album that a lot of these songs are not feel good numbers, but they're played so well.
0: Mm hmm. I I like this record so much better than the first one because I felt the arrangements were way too tight on Dog Roll, which was their debut album. And it was just too fast and loud in a way that felt very samey. And they really, I think, are taking this moment to recognize that people are listening to them now so they can be more expressive and take some more risks in their sound. And they're really doing that.
2: Yeah, they're going from this first track, which I think is a fairly... You know as I said downbeat but at the same time it does have a, it feels like a pretty poppy song in its way very catchy and then they go into the next track which is kind of this real fever dream of a song it's called love is the main thing This song is so structurally flat where there's these long repetitive verses and then in place of a chorus is an instrumental where it almost you hear the guitar playing that figure and it's almost like the guitar is singing love is the main thing and it's that repeated over and over again and you know I described it as a fever dream because it has this kind of hypnotic effect it's not a pop song it's It's not a rock song. I don't know what to call it, but it has this deeply unsettling effect, even as its message of love is the main thing. You'd think, like, that could be the title of this, you know, lovely pop song. And instead, it's this devastating disorienting track I, it's it's so weird to have this r- right up front in the album on the second as the second track it's you, really put me off my on the on my heels
0: you said flat and do you know the phrase flat affect
2: i have heard that phrase
0: yeah it, it really it, that's the, the that's what kept coming to my mind and listening to the song everything about it the delivery is so flat and you know we you play you could throw darts at a dartboard to get all the influences here, so I won't spend a lot of time. But this very it had a very level tear us apart vocals vibe. I mean, I think they're definitely channeling the ghost of Ian Curtis and Interpol and all of the bands that came after Joy Division with this very the the feeling that comes across as almost kind of nihilistic. But it's it's there's there's a lot more variety on this record, but in this song in particular, just very flat flat affect yeah uh
2: the lead singer who i i believe is pronounced Brian chatton
0: yeah we're gonna mangle some of these extremely irish names
2: yeah and he is has a voice that is stays within a pretty limited range and yet is so expressive and it's always that case where you see a band where the lineup and then the vocalist he just does vocals he is focused on that one thing and it is it's really kind of magical when someone who On the surface scan like white there's like he has maybe half an octave range here and yet it's so deep and booming and you know I, i kept saying hypnotic like it really pulls you into their world even if that world is a little scary
0: I feel like the I've read in interviews that they've talked about how they really they they worked so hard when their first record came out and they got a lot of buzz and they were touring all over the world. And I I think they were really just putting the pedal to the metal and writing this record in the midst of feeling kind of disconnected from everything because touring like that is so disorienting and so exhausting. And I feel like that is maybe the feeling that is comes across in the song.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, talking about feeling disconnected and alienated comes back in maybe the poppiest song on the album. Uh, I would describe it even as a barn burner. It's called Televised Mind.
1: Swipe your
3: thoughts from broad away. Certain ideas a cabaret. A That's a televised mind That's a televised mind That's a televised mind That's a televised mind That's a televised mind
0: Is indeed a barn burner, although very minor key and very dark sounding.
2: Well, one of the things I find so charming about it is it opens with this incredibly driving bass line. that is just this one note. It's completely percussive bass and it's awesome. Like it pulled me into the song so hard. And then you get this incredible release in that instrumental bridge where that guitar work gives me goosebumps. I don't know how many times I've listened to this album, but every time I am on board with this band. Like, it is so good.
0: When we were listening to this song to decide which part to play on the podcast, and I said, I want to include that instrumental break, and you were like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was is, very excited no, about it. No, it is
2: such a high point of the album, and this, I guess, was the third single, and so I think the other singles being the title track and then I Don't Belong... Oh, interesting. Uh, And I feel like this was the highest energy. And it's kind of weird that this was the last single, because I feel like this is the most inviting song. It is such a jam, Yeah. even as it's about how everyone feels kind of anesthetized by modern society. Mm-hmm. Like, it is not a feel-good track, and yet, oh, I, 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 wanna, I want live shows to be a thing again, because I want to see them play this song live yeah. so badly. Like the crowd would go nuts and uh, just to dream. <laughs> and in addition to that amazing guitar interlude and that br- bridge, there's it does show off something that's, I think, a through in a lot of these where they do a lot of this kind of echoey guitar effect. Yeah. That sometimes kind of verges almost into like a surf sound, but then transplanted say, into this very new wavy slash post-punk vibe. It's really cool.
0: Yeah. It reminds me kind of like the Pixies with the guitars and that... that- that feel that has a quality that's kind of like a human voice almost. It's a very warm kind of round sound, which I think goes really well with the coldness and the flatness of the vocals.
2: Yeah. Just fantastic stuff. And so from this alienated high energy, but what I call it kind of these joyous dirge that I think (laughs) I can apply to a bunch of the tracks on this album. Uh, We go into, I think one of the songs that I think of as like the most really like slow and almost pretty it's called you said
0: decided to start doing this show was that we wanted to get back to what we had done when we were younger, which is like you buy one or two CDs a month when they come out or records and or tapes and you would just listen to them over and over again because that's all you had and you would really develop a relationship with them. And in the age of Spotify where you can just listen to something a few times and move on, it's harder to if something's not shiny on the outside or doesn't hook you immediately, it's harder to Get into it and I feel like this record Is one where I listened to it a few Times and I was like eh it's kind of It's not my style It's it's very male and very cold As someone described it to me Which I agree with It's hard to kind of Crack the outside but if you sit with It and listen to it on good headphones I feel Like it really I, I've really found myself absorbed by it And this is one of the songs where it's just Kind of there's a lot of interesting musicianship here and it's there's a lot to draw you in if you have the patience to sit with it and listen and pick up on all the little things. We, we p- played kind of the end of that song because I think the instruments get a little bit more complex towards the end and it listening to it on good headphones, you really hear that.
2: Yeah, that outro has all of these interlocking guitar melody layers happening where you get little hints of these kind of different higher and lower pitched and they're kind of coming in and out of the mix and i you know in my notes i just it's i wrote cinematic like mm-hmm. it has such a big and dramatic feeling to it and there's almost kind of a spaghetti western a hint of that kind of sound and it's the sort of thing where i can i want to crawl up in inside this song and that's coupled to you know this really the sense of longing that comes through in the in the lyrics and I think I exactly what he's singing about I'm not sure but there's just a sense of like you said and I'm you just you get the sense of someone yearning for connection in a Mm -hmm. way that is really affecting and it you know I think he really stretches his voice maybe the most that we hear on the song at least in terms of like traditional pop singing not a huge range but it's very pretty and his voice has so much character that it carries that emotion really well
0: yeah i think thematically this whole record there's a lot of alienation and yearning for connection and not finding it and also looking for purpose in this mess and i think that's what the next song we'll play is very invested in which is the title track Write your own two cents never for them
3: Buy yourself a flare every wondrous error Throw your hair down from your lonely terror And if, and if you find yourself in the family way Keep the kid more than what you got in your day Life ain't always empty 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 Life ain't always empty
0: I listened to this song so many times while I was deciding, trying to decide whether it was tongue-in-cheek or sincere, and I came down on the side of it is intended to be sincere. And it's also the emotional centerpiece of the record. Like, even the album art is, and I looked this up, uh, a statue of the Irish mythological demigod. I'm going to m- mispronounce this. Cuchulain who's like a hero figure who's you know attacking something and it's it kind of undermines the capitalist ideal that you have to do something great and honorable with your life to die a hero's death but actually you can just kind of appreciate the little things and recognize that you can be positive in the face of a lot of negativity and that's sometimes enough
2: yeah i think the song exists in definitely an uncomfortable ambiguity, because mm-hmm. I think so much about the delivery of the song that it's these kind of throwaway cliches of how to be a good person and combined with this endless repetition of life's not always empty, life's not, uh, life's not always empty, which is so framed negatively. and yet we hear there in the conclusion of the song that like well whatever your value system is make the most of it like you have finite time so figure out what your values are and there's maybe i think an implicit call to at least question the prevailing standard of what you're being told to do but you're still choosing something and so i think it's it i like that it rides both sides of that so effectively
0: and the the instrumentation itself is so joyous in a in such a disaffected way there's the i i think they kind of tongue-in-cheek cite the beach boys as one of the influences for this record but they've got the backing the pop-pop-pop backing vocals which are deadpan but also kind of cheery and the cowbell and a lot of yeah
2: the great the the, that choir swelling choir under those court under the chorus and again that you have this chorus which is so kind of deadpan and framed negatively but with this choir of angels under it. it's again it's a heck of a song and it's interesting yeah so this was the first single and then i talked about how televised mind was the third single i think this is also really maybe also a barn burner i think you you, you called me on that bar- maybe barn burner but one argument. thing i actually looked in i noticed about this is that both songs are i think structurally similar in they both start with the chorus mm-hmm. and then do kind of verse chorus really quickly through the course of it which i think is kind of an interesting structural structural trick to pull multiple times on an album
0: they're also the co- the quote-unquote chorus is just a repeated line
2: yeah and one thing i noticed about this song is that i think it's pretty Odd in pop music is the kind of a lot of three, like th- triplets of lines, not doublets or quad, not two or four, three lines, always three. <laughs>
0: are you gonna screw up? I the couldn't. Four? Yeah, I couldn't
2: remember the Quatrain. <laughs>
0: yeah, doublets or two or four. Yeah, <laughs> pull me once, can't pull me again.
2: Exactly, exactly. I definitely am not getting fooled again <laughs> on what you call four lines of poetry. But um yeah, that they're embracing. I think these odd numbered structures and you know oftentimes having you know verses doubled up and then suddenly just one of them are choruses where you get you know three line or six line six line six lines and then three lines so I think they do kind of interesting stuff with just slight tweaks to structure that I think keep it fresh yeah and, it's,
0: it's a surprisingly sophisticated in a way that you don't notice at first
2: Yeah, and uh, i I know this is not a we talk about videos thing but definitely check out the video for this because mm-hmm. it's really good. <laughs> Talking really, about
0: videos makes for a great audio podcast. It is. That's why I just say go check it out because <laughs> it's really good. And and it took me way too long to realize it was Littlefinger is the starring person in the video. And
2: now everyone's definitely going to want to see it. Yeah. So, so uh, coming from that then we go into another I think very strange track on the album. It's called Living in America.
0: Living in America. Not that one.
1: London's fun, we are won't for our path Hit the town, fit the crowd, Heavy air hanging down If you don't know, we will
3: not go Turning your tricks like a newborn guy
1: You need not be born wealthy if you can join <laughs>
3: Living in a
2: it's nice that bands can't share the same name, but they can play a song that has the same name as a James Brown tune with a very different vibe. (laughs) So uh, I love this extreme weirdness, this underlying instrumental drone that is underlying, you know, it's under most of the song. And then at various points, uh, the vocals turn into just (laughs) this almost throat singing that locks into that underlying vocal or un- underlying instrumental drone and the entire thing is so overwhelming and weird
0: yeah it's a it really captures the feeling of living in America right now especially <laughs> leading up to the November election honestly like I I don't know if that was the intent to capture but that sense of dread and that very oppressive drone with with the energy that almost feels angry I feel I feel like this is a very European view of what America has become.
2: Yeah. I'm not going to say anything other than, yeah, this is the, uh, if I needed to find a a theme song for 2020.
0: Yeah. Yeah, actually that's a good point. And it's just also, I think a great example of creating a mood through the instrumentation and the percussion and the tone, the, like the, the minor key drone, the kind of, uh, just the feeling that it creates is very evocative. And I think even if there weren't any lyrics in this work called Living in America, I feel like it would get the message across.
2: Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And I think I'm glad that we go from such a, a downer track to the penultimate song on the album. And that has a sunny song, a sunny title rather, <laughs> because it's called Sunny. <laughs>
0: But so there's a lot of wildfire smoke today It's a purple air day So I think we're both a little bit lightheaded
2: Just a little
1: So you walking in the day daytime On oh, a stomach so sort bad of So my life's gone easy To tell the truth I don't de- your mother in early Couldn't focus on a thing Suddenly my life was clouded The phone would have ring Until our rain was surely for. Until our rain was surely cold Shirley, for. Until the ring was Shirley for
0: I wanted to talk about this song because, you know, I mentioned earlier that Chatton, the vocalist, is very has a very flat delivery on so many of these songs, but on this one he's really crooning in a pretty way and it's very different you can tell that they're trying to explore their sound more and do some different things the name of this band they actually took their name from a character in the godfather called johnny fontaine who's a singer and a movie star and i i really felt that evocation in this song
2: yeah there's a real jazzy vibe especially at the beginning of the song and i kind of like how it starts off pretty kind of conventional verse chorus but over the course of the song it increasingly kind of deconstructs itself into these weird little wordless choral sections and then these refrains repeated where then the, the original first verse is underlaid under it as kind of this call and response between where I was I can't tell and then this little cute little story about I guess meeting a single mom and there's a real sweetness here and it's also I mean you talked about how male this record is and this is the song just by virtue of having the female backing vocals so mm-hmm. prominently if wordlessly there it, it has a less testosterone soaked vibe <laughs> to it and it's kind of nice to have coming into the tail end of the album
0: Yeah I really enjoyed this record I think I kind of was a bit dismissive of their first record because of that experience of not even being able to get in to see them live because it was a hot sweaty room packed with tall white dudes who were not going to respect my personal space and feeling like they were yet another of these buzz bands that's kind of going to ha- be a flash in the pan to really appreciating this record and feeling like it was a real change.
2: Yeah, it's nice to see them re- realizing, hey, we've got one shot to make a second impression. And they really made it count here. This album uh, exceeded my expectations in a big way. And you know the buzz is justified.
0: So we're going to go out with the last track, which is called No. And we've been discussing the Fontaine's DC second record called The Hero's Death, and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening.